Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, Primers, to this issue 45 of DC Primetime. Uh, a day late, and that's my fault. I have to apologize. I feel like I've been po- apologizing for this a lot over the course of this offseason. And um, before I go into a little explanation, obviously, I am Ben Beck from the show cast here on the Next Level Podcast Network. And I am Rob Martin from the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods, also on the Next Level Network. And, yeah, so... A little bit of an explanation. I know over the course of the past couple of weeks, um, the podcast hasn't been there. We missed one week totally. Other days, it's been just me. Other days, it's been just Rob. And it's it's been because of me. So a little bit of an explanation. Uh, I'm not going to go into do too much detail, but uh, I did spend some time in the ER yesterday, not myself personally, but with um, uh, a family member of somebody who I care about, my girlfriend. Uh, her family is going through some... A member of her family is going through some health issues, and I've been spending a lot of time with them. And, you know, I've been cooking over at their house. It's because her father's usually the one that does it, and he's the one that's going through all the health issues. So uh, I've kind of been taking charge of a second household, which takes a little bit of time, and sometimes some unexpected things happen. So apologies to everybody out there for, you know, the the podcast being delayed or or things like that. I promise you... I'm going to try my best to not let it affect, especially now that the shows are back this coming week. So uh, we will work our best to make sure the podcast is up every Monday morning so that you guys can hear this. And uh, one way or another, we'll make this happen. And no more delays, but I just wanted to apologize to all of our listeners out there because you guys stick with us through it all. And now that the shows are coming back, we're back to business. So Indeed. Quite okay. Like I said, family stuff is always incredibly important. People should make sure they don't push that stuff off. I mean, we love doing the show, but that can always take a bit of a backseat when life really depends on you, you know? So it's quite okay. Yeah. And I'm sure everybody totally understands that and agrees. I hope so. I hope so. Oh, yeah. Uh, so. But with that being said, um, th- Rob and I talked about this before we had started recording this issue, and we're going to put off the midseason report cards again. We're just going to talk about Star Wars. Yeah, uh, last the last Jedi, <laughs> the last so, Jedi. Um, it's not I DC, but gonna talk, it, it, it's okay. It it's owned by Disney, which owns Marvel. So Marvel and DC, they're the same thing. Uh, yeah, so it's go. quite okay. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, they they announced the title for Episode Eight today, uh, and they, we got that really cool red Star Wars font, which I don't think we've actually seen since uh, Return of the Jedi. So uh, kind of kind of exciting. I'm, so, I'm excited. Who, who too. do you think the last Jedi is? Um. 
I, I don't know because I mean it's. By the way, we're really not focusing the entire <laughs> podcast just on this conversation. We're just we're just geeking out about this a little bit, as we're sure you guys are at home. Well, actually, we we started this as a joke, but now I'm starting to get serious about it. And I actually <laughs> want to talk about it for a while. Yeah, um, but so we should probably get off of this as fast as we can because if not, I'm just going to keep railroading back to this discussion. I mean, so. real real quick, I think Luke is too obvious. So, uh, but it could be, it could be Luke. Uh, my guess it's Luke. My, I, th- I think he, they're they're viewing him as the last because I don't think they're going to kill Luke in in this episode. No, so. no. So, uh, but no, we do have some business to get to. We are going to talk our mid season report cards this week, uh, and then more Star Wars, it's and, okay. <laughs> and then more Star Wars at the end. <laughs> That'd be spoilerful. It's okay. Um, you know, but yeah, we're going to give our mid season report cards. We're going to go through all four of the shows. Are we going to include Gotham in this as well? No. Okay, I didn't think so, because Gotham's returned already, so we'll, we'll skip the mid-season report card on Gotham, because we kind of already know where we stand with Gotham at this point anyway. Yes, we do. Yes, um, we do. <laughs> so, yeah, so we'll we'll do the mid-season report cards on the four shows, the, the other four key shows of the, the DC uh, television universe, uh, those being, obviously, Flash, Arrow, Legends, uh, uh, Supergirl, Flash, Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, and also next week, uh, the show order's get switched up a little bit as well since legends is moving to tuesday so legends will be on after uh, we'll start talking legends after flash instead of um it, instead of arrow yeah it's kind of crazy to think that supergirl came back today um because again since we're recording a day late the shows start back like this current week and it's so weird because my brain's not wired to back to my weekly show watching and I'm like, oh my god, tomorrow or late, late tonight, I'm going to watch Supergirl again and I'm so excited. And then we get to watch Legends of Tomorrow's George Lucas episode tomorrow night and I'm beyond excited. I cannot that, wait so. to watch that, <laughs> that episode. I really can. Still one of my favorite titles for an episode ever, Raiders of the Lost Art. Yeah, I can't wait to see what they're going to do with that episode. Uh, but before we do that, let's talk um, Gotham a little bit. I know we've been uh, on the fence about trying to figure out what we were, uh, what we're going to do about uh Gotham. I think I think we are on lock though. We have we have our plan. Yeah, I, I think I think we know where we're gonna go uh so, with this one. Mind uh, if I take this? No, go go for it. Um I was just gonna do the you know the episode number and the synopsis real quick and then I'll let you uh well, jump we're, into it. We're we're not gonna bury this part of it. This is as far as the the future of Gotham because we've talked about it so much. So we will watch the next two episodes and then it's on break for three months. Um, which is insane. It doesn't come back until April 24th, which is crazy to think after the next two episodes. So we will watch the next two regardless. And then after that, uh, you will not hear us talk about Gotham until it's summertime and we do annuals and then Gotham will get cleaned up in the annuals. Yeah, because I mean, um, it, let's face it. Well, I mean, uh, real quick, I'll just say this episode was, you know, season three, episode 13 titled Smile Like You Mean It uh, on the run from Gordon. um on the wait, what? Hold on, is this? Oh, wait a minute. Nope, this is tonight's episode. Sorry, I'm mm-hmm. reading the wrong synopsis. I was gonna say smile like you mean it. I was like, for me, it was like roll eyes every six <laughs> seconds, groan, and I'm like, really? Come no, on. I'm, I'm reading last week's. Uh, so I know it's okay. Last week's was ghosts episode, season three, episode twelve, uh, and all it says as a synopsis, the return of Jerome, which we didn't even get that. In the episode. No. <laughs> so that's a horrible synopsis. Oh, Already God. off to a great start, Gotham. Thanks. Um, so, yeah. So 
as you mentioned, I think these three, these last three episodes are going to be the end of what we see. Unless, by some miracle, these next two episodes blow us away. Right. And there's a chance. There is very much a chance. This did feel like a setup episode. So, uh, so right off the bat, let's do this. Uh, sidekick hero or legend for you? It's right in the line between sidekick and hero. It really is. I, I really wasn't impressed with this episode at all. Like, I, you come back from a Christmas break, I, I expected more. I really well, did. even just a mid-season finale, we expected more. And you were like, they better come out swinging. And they did not do that. Um, I, You know what? I still will say hero because I wasn't like this. Actually, no, sidekick. I have to really think about that for a half a second. Um, Yeah, sidekick. This gets a sidekick. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a number of things that could have happened in this episode that would have made it so much stronger. I mean, we talked about this, you know, before the midseason finale. You know, we knew Carmine Falcone was coming back into the picture because of, you know, the the murder uh, and because of the white, uh, you know, because of the marriage and everything. And all we got was him hiring Zaz, who is a horrible assassin. Uh, yeah. I mean, granted, I mean, we didn't want him to kill Jim Gordon, and we're glad he failed at it, but come on, it's it's Zaz. I mean, it's... I don't know. I, I kind of would have been okay if they shook up the formula even more. And, Something and to make, make me tune back in next week, you know? Yeah. I, I, again, I mean, and th- the thing that really annoyed me the most about th- this return episode is Fox has been pushing these promos and, and like uh, and all these articles and everything about, oh, Jerome is coming back. We, you know, when this show comes back, you're going to get Jerome and it's going to go into all of that. And we didn't get it. We didn't get it at all. We get a glimpse of Jerome at the very end of the episode. And something tells me that we're still not going to see a lot of him this week like they're going to revive him but he's not going to become that character that we're expecting him to be until just before the season takes a break again yeah uh one of the things i gotta give the show a little credit for though and that was the one thing that kind of almost said maybe this is a hero uh the person that we saw running kind of the joker cult or the jerome cult let's be honest because i don't want to say jerome is the joker um i refuse um was that was I can't remember the actress name for the life of me, but one of the things I thought was great was this was a nice nod to the Dark Knight, and that was one of Heath Ledger's Joker's yes. goons that was out in the field that was running the cult, which I thought was a really cool, nice little tie, and um, you know I, I I thought that deserved at least a positive mention. Um, but I'm gonna rip into the show really fast because it's on the tip of my brain. I watched it the other couple a uh, couple nights ago, and it was funny. Even before I watched the episode, I messaged Ben this week, said, "Hey, is it bad that I'm putting off waiting until the last minute to watch Gotham?" And, what and I was... watched it at about three in the morning, Saturday into Sunday morning. So, yeah. And what was my response when you text me you, that? <laughs> you're like, uh, "I wish I did that too." Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Because I watched it early on. I think I watched it on. Tuesday night uh might have no actually it was Tuesday afternoon I watched it and by you know the time we were recording this and gearing up to record this issue of the podcast you had to basically had to remind me what happened in the episode because it was that forgettable yeah um one of the things I gotta say is uh was it me or did time feel off in this episode like we we start the episode at Mario's funeral and it doesn't matter who you are when there is a funeral planned. If you've ever, you know, unfortunately experienced losing somebody close, um, that's not the next day. 
Um, I, I think that's pretty much normal for most people. No, it's, it's not. It's, yeah, it's usually a good four or five days away, if not longer. Yeah, like yeah. three to five days is the average time length. So we start off with a funeral, but then one of the first scenes we jump to after the fact is going to Selena and her mother. And they make it seem like, and I, I hate to bring say it, um, I feel like I'm almost carbon copying IGN statements, but after reading the review after I watched it, and I'm like, yeah, that's exactly where my brain was at. But it felt like they were talking to each other for the first time after, you know, Selena's mother, you know, saved them from the Court of Owls. And it was like, hey, here's the first awkward conversation. And it was just kind of like, is this out of time sync? Because there's no way I believe that they had that first awkward conversation three to five days later at all. Uh, or even awkward little communication in between that time. Um, it just felt off. Something about that whole sequence just felt weird. And then in addition to that, too, Riddler putting together his insane gigantic plan in that time frame as well. Nothing felt like it added up um, at all. And I, I that bothered me so much about this episode. It really, really did. No, I, and I can I understand it completely where you're coming from. And it's funny because out of all the things that I found wrong with this episode... I didn't even really pick up on that, and now that you're bringing it up, like, now it stands out. That there yeah, there really was some pacing issues with this episode. Yeah, because, like, you know, Penguin's got, like, a new kind of, like, aid that's, like, going through the motions with them, and it seems like they already have a bit of, like, you know, camaraderie between them. That didn't happen in three days. I'm sorry. Um, and it's just kind of, like, things seem like they've been in motion in the mayor's office. All these other things have been happening, and it's really been less than a week since... Ed was like, peace, let's take this dude down, you know, because that's exactly what this timeline should technically be based yeah. off of how they presented this episode. Yeah. A um, couple things that they left just hanging too was there was the whole sequence with when Mario was shot in the head, uh, dropping that knife into the water. I'm like, okay, I'm looking forward to the, them, you know, dealing with that mess because that's just going to be unnecessary drama. No, no, no unnecessary drama. They never brought it up. It was just left alone. And I'm like, why did you bother filming that shot then the way that you did of Jim coming in in the last second to save the day? You don't even hear him being like, Mario was going to kill her. Any of this stuff. It's just like, I had to put him down. He was going to hurt Lee. That was the most we got out of him when they he had to kind of defend himself. That was it. Uh, and then we see two very different versions of Lee in this episode. In the course of what seems like a day, she is, I hate Jim Gordon. Then she goes to Arkham and she's like, nope, everything's good. I love Jim. Call off the hit. <laughs> My bad. You know, Barnes is just absolute cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And, uh, yeah, I, I realize in my grief that I was overthinking this. And it just makes Marina Baccarin to seem like an incompetent actress. And it's disappointing because she is really good in dramatic roles. Yeah. And she's great in things like Firefly and a ton of other things that we've seen her in over the years. And this show makes her seem like a moron. And it's just doing a very di massive disservice to some of the cast members at this point. And it, this episode bothered me on so many levels. It makes me it makes me wonder if the way and I, and unfortunately this is something I'm not going to know until another until next week when we see the last episode before it goes on break again. But it almost makes me feel like the writers didn't know where to make the mid season finale. Like they put too many they. They had two big things too close together or two potential big things too close together because we don't know how next week's episode is going to end, uh, you know, before it takes it. Out. Is next week going to feel like another midseason finale? And I think with the Jerome character, I think it might. And I think they almost maybe they almost paced it wrong. 
and they had the mid-season finale too early. You know, yeah. like this is an episode that could have directly followed that mid-season finale because it, it, it you know, it wasn't a superior mid-season finale, but I mean it was good and it would have worked as a mid-season finale depending on how this episode was, but this was an episode that could have directly followed that and we wouldn't have thought anything about it. Yeah, I mean, I kind of there's a part of me that's starting to think though what we got originally wasn't the midseason, and the real midseason finale is the one we're getting at the end of. Well, the that's month. that's what I mean. Like that's yeah. that's what I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of trying to say, and you just put it a better way. Is that uh, I, I feel like they kind of paced it wrong as far as the airing of the episodes. Yeah, and where they were supposed to, you know, they might have thought they should have. They might have thought they had a little bit more time when they were writing these episodes. Um they they might have been planning episode 14 as the midseason finale but when they aired it turned out they oh shit you know it's it's episode 11 like right. uh, it it this isn't working out the way it is hopefully let's pull this off yeah i mean i think that's actually proven a little bit more too because when you read the episode synopsis it's still using the mad city moniker yeah. and usually that's not how gotham functions that's usually when they come back from uh from midseason break uh it's a new moniker for the back half of the season so I'm wondering if that I think that's actually probably the case. So, I mean, this show does potentially still have a future on this show if the next two episodes wow us and say, oh, that was the midseason finale. Um, So it's a very big possibility. They said, hey, we knew we were going to be off for like six weeks and then say, "Um, okay, we know we have a three month gap happening at this point in time. And that's the one that has to matter. Um, And it's very possible they could do something big. Because, like, we get did get the Joker cult kind of thing that does happen here, which we got a nod to last season with Laurie Petty in uh, actually me and Ben's both favorite episodes of all of Gotham, which was this ball of mud and meanness. Um, and we saw that little concert area where Laurie Petty was in a very Joker-esque makeup, kind of playing a pseudo Harley Quinn character, um, kind of egging Bruce on. Is like, look, if you're going to kill the dude, this is where you go. Good luck, you know. Um, but we kind of saw that kind of come to fruition here a little bit. We we saw the effects Jerome's death had on the populace of Gotham. Um, and it kind of mimicked what we saw of the end of last season, which was uh, a Gotham that was not afraid to embrace the crazy. But the problem is it doesn't work when you go high drama in certain points or bad high drama, as I think me and Ben both agree on yeah. this. And then mix it with that. It's got to be one or the other. I think the show the show lost a lot of what it's trying to do, and it's getting lost in its tone, um, which we thought they had down by the end of season two. So I I, I really do want to see this show succeed, um, but right now it, it it's proving that it doesn't know what it wants to be again. Yeah, no, I, and I can see that too. So kind of hoping that you know going into the second two episodes. Um... You know, and one of the other things I'm very curious about is the last time I've ever seen a show take this long of a break uh, was Lost. And it, it was due to something. It was due to the writer's strike. So I'm very curious why this show is taking this long of a break. Like, has, has, uh, there, I, any been, has there been anything that's come out as to why? I mean, I haven't seen anything. We haven't reported on anything. Uh, Fox didn't really bring up anything at the TCAs as far as if the show was getting renewed. Fox usually doesn't do that yet. They usually wait a little bit longer. And I'm wondering if Gotham's in trouble. Um, I don't know what the ratings are like. Uh, I'm sure if we did a little bit of digging, we could we could find that out. But 
I have a feeling it's not doing too hot. And, uh, and this might be an avenue for Fox to be able to introduce some new things. I don't think anybody expected Gotham was going to get a third season. Um, but I'm starting to really wonder if it's going to get a fourth. And Fox is, is a network. And, you know, there's definitely some stuff that I love on Fox. But there's been some stuff that we've loved on Fox that has gotten canceled. Fox does have that demeanor and, you know, that reputation for canceling shows that people actually enjoy. More for cult followings, you know, such as Firefly and things like that. And, um, you know, that we mentioned, you know, Marina being a part of as well. But, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of this, this show is on the bubble. Yep. There's a high chance that that, that's exactly the case. But, I mean, like I said, um, you know, it was cool to see them throw Paul Rubens back in. Granted, I feel like he was a bit wasted in this episode. Like, they just had him say a couple random things. Um, I did like the fact that they did make him Clayface. That was kind of a highlight. And I do like the fact that Edward is having, seems like having a ton of fun tormenting uh, Oswald. But um, it felt kind of wasted. So uh, it was kind of disappointing to see how they played that out. And I kind of would have loved if they just said, we're going to give a hard focus here instead of trying to cram in a whole bunch of plot lines and a whole bunch of unnecessary drama. We had four big plot lines kind of returning us to Gotham of old. Where we're going to jump around to everybody that is anything in this show. And, uh, yeah, I don't think it worked this time. Yeah, and that's so. and that's something that we've actually praised the show on in the past. Is that, you know, they there, there have been times where they were good about, you know, one main focal point in the episode. And, you know, some loose tie-ins to some of the other stories in the background. Without giving, you know, but s- still giving one main focus of everything. And you're right. I feel like the whole Oswald, you know... Uh, Edward story could have been, you know, the next episode where some a little bit more time has passed, as you said, with the pacing, and they could have focused more on that storyline and expanded it a little bit more and pushed everything else to the background for that episode. Yeah, and I think I even brought it up to you when I was kind of recapping some stuff, and you have, as you mentioned earlier too, when we started this discussion, of Zaz being the worst hitman ever. Uh, don't put dialogue in a show where the your main hitman meets up with his potential hit and says, you're never going to see me coming. Uh, I do respect you. I do like you. I'm really sorry I'm going to have to do this, but I never miss. What happens in the episode? <laughs> he Two misses. attempts. Two attempts on Jim's life. And Jim is not dead by the end of the episode, so <laughs> don't tell the audience that your main you know, big bad in the episode that's attempting to take down the hero lead is not going to miss because we know he's going to because there's no way the show is going to continue if your hero is dead. So, yeah, really kind of lazy writing. Um, and yeah, like I said, I really want to see a, see that show. Wow. us next? Well, tonight and uh, next Monday, because uh, things are not looking good for Gotham. Victor Zaz, the stormtrooper of Gotham. Pretty much. So I think we can move out of Gotham and get into the midseason report cards. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the way we're going to work the the midseason report cards is we are going to go show by show as we usually do. But this time around, instead of a sidekick hero or legend rating, it is a report card. So we're going to give it a letter grade, A, B, C, D, or F. Uh, We'll tell you a little bit about the things that we've enjoyed out of the season so far, some of the things we think need a little bit of work, and, of course, what we are going to – what we might expect in the second half of the shows. So – We'll start things off with Supergirl. And, Rob, we'll start with you. Letter grade for Supergirl so far for this first half of the season. Uh, A, B, C, D, or F. What do you grade it? 
I am giving it an A. I think it deserves it. Um, I think there's two shows that deserve it incredibly so well so far out of all these. Uh, but Supergirl definitely deserves that A. Uh, they kind of felt like they really looked at everything that show was in its first season, knew the mistakes it made, and said, hey, we are going to have fun. We're going to make sure we have a good time. We're going to bring you a lot more villains. And uh, they're matching the caliber of the effects work that we're seeing in things like Flash, uh, Arrow, and Legends at this point. And that was the one thing that one of the things that we said very negatively about it in season one. Yeah. That the fights looked poor. I haven't said that yet this season uh, because it's looking good. It's looking really good. Uh, even when we rolled our eyes, we're like, they're going to make Jimmy Olsen the Guardian. I really like that. I love Monel. They did the best Superman I think I've ever seen on this on 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 screen. Oh god. Um, you just stepped on every point I had for giving this season <laughs> for giving this season an A so far. But that's but that's fine. I mean that's those are good reasons. So Hey, hey, but I'm gonna give it I, I could give it an A minus because yet again, no streaky the supercat yet. So <laughs> Uh, but no, uh, yeah, this show gets an A. Um, I, I'm loving everything that they've given us so far. I, I, the only thing I, I, that makes it feels like we might hit B is uh, I don't think they've done a lot with Cadmus yet. Uh, I think I expected a little bit more out of Cadmus, but it still leaps and bounds better than the Maxwell Lord stuff we got last season. And the Villain of the Week stuff so far, though, has made up for it. So Yeah, and I'm right there with you as well. I, I, I'm giving this season an A, and I think it's... Um... Uh, yeah, I think there's two, maybe th- maybe three out of the four are getting A's for me. I don't know. I'm still on the fence about one. Um, but this one is definitely one of these solid, strong A's. And, and I'd even go as far as to give this one an A+. And one of the main reasons is because they've exceeded my expectations on one thing in particular. Um, and, and that's Jimmy Olsen becoming Guardian. You, we've talked about this even before it ever happened. I had my reservations about this because I'm a huge fan of Guardian and the whole Cadmus storyline. I do agree with you that I expect more out of Cadmus, and I don't think we've seen the last of Cadmus at all. Um, but I, I'm pleasantly surprised how much I'm actually enjoying what they're doing with Jimmy Olsen being Guardian. Uh, I do still want to see the blue and gold colors at some point come into play. Uh, and I do think, you know, the idea of, um, uh, you know, his suit being lead and still being that easy to move in is a little ridiculous. But, uh, or lead lined at least. But for the most part, I'm enjoying what they did with that. Like you, I'm enjoying what they're doing with Monel. And now it seems like the budding relationship that's going to be coming out of that between Kara and Monel. Uh, I even like what they're doing with John, with John Jones. And, you know, I, I can't remember her name. Um, McGann. McGann. Yeah. McGann Moores, um, which we're going to see some more out of that as well. So uh, I'm very excited. And the promos for what we've seen that are going to be coming up look amazing. So, uh, you know, going back to the beginning of this season, it was something that was, you know, some people were worried about. And I think, Rob, you and I were both completely on board that this move from, you know, CBS to CW uh, is the best thing this show has ever done. And, um, Tyler Holcomb as Superman has been. I hope he gets his own show. I really. Yeah, do. I would. I would love to see it too. Uh, I. I think really the only thing I can really also slap it for, aside from the Cadmus stuff, just thinking about it, is I don't almost feel like it doesn't feel necessary anymore for them to focus on Catco um, until Catcrank comes back. You know, I. I feel like it's unnecessary screen time that's there, uh, especially now with James's secret being out in the out into the mix. Um, so it's 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 just a wait and see, I think, at this point in time. Um, 
that I, but I don't think they really need to focus on Catco anymore. I, I think we can take a step back. It was kind of cool. They're like, hey, here's Snapper Carr. He's another notable name, you know, in DC lore, but it's, you know, everything we've seen from it doesn't feel necessary. It's quite okay. You're allowed to focus on, uh, you know, the DEO and just stay there. It's, it's, I think it's perfectly fine. Enough is happening there. There's enough focus there. There's only really one character that is focused and actually really highlighted it at all at Catco, and that's James. Um, so there's no real reason to put too much time there anymore. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously Kara works there too, but we're really following her her adventures as Supergirl, not as Kara, uh, you know, Kara Danvers, uh, you know, Catco, you know, worldwide media reporter. So yeah, I mean, and as you mentioned too, you know, with Jimmy being, you know, with James being Guardian now, there really isn't a lot of po- call for that, you know, because you know, Wind's not there anymore. Wind's at the DEO, and you know, James could very easily make the DEO his headquarters for. Uh, you know, for Guardian until potentially down the road, there is something that comes along and he does take control of Cadmus, uh, which I would love to see if that ever does happen. You know, once this whole storyline plays out, um, you know, with Jeremiah Danvers and, and you know, with Dean Cade's character, uh, I would like to see that potentially come, play out and that he's no longer with Catco, but he is now a, a Guardian of Cadmus as well. Yeah. Yeah, he's actually the one that's going to turn it around, make it legit, and make it a really good place that's working hand-in-hand with the DEO. I think that would work great. I would love to see that. Yeah. But I will say this. If we don't have Catco anymore, how are we going to see any more of Miss Tessmacher? Because still, one of the best moments so far this season was just hearing Cat Grant scream her name in the beginning of the first episode. It was um, amazing. <laughs> it was awesome. That was, I, I think, probably one of my favorite geek-out moments uh, so far out of all of these shows this season next to the Hall of Justice. Um, so, yeah. Absolutely adored it. Loved it. I love uh, Monel, And I love what they're doing with Alex and Maggie Sawyer. Uh, that's everything that they've done there, too. Um, I, I would feel terrible if we didn't bring it up, but the way they've handled it has been beautiful, and I think they deserve a lot of credit because they've been going places that I didn't think the show had it in them, and uh, they're just making it better and better and better. I can tell you right now, uh, a good fix to Miss Tessmacher is if she loses her job at CatCo and goes to work for Lillian Luther. That would be pretty funny. That would be pretty good because <laughs> then it's a Luther screaming Miss Tessmacher. And then it's even more fitting to, you know, the history and another geek out moment for us. Yep. So um, I do know one thing I, I would enjoy seeing and there's still potential for this happening is we, we talked about the this potentially happening in this in the season before and it never did. But I still think there's something up with Jeremiah Danvers. I still think he's a cyborg Superman. I do, too. Uh, there's a big part of me that's still thinking it's going to happen. Yeah, I, yeah, and, and me too. Like, I, I'm really hoping it happens because I just want to see him reprise that role. And so, oh no, I'm sorry, I take that back. We don't think he's Cyborg Superman because my prediction was that he is actually the Eradicator. Oh, very true. I, I think there's a high chance of that, but I mean, I still think something did happen to him because there's is that still that line. Uh, you know, you're going to wish you remember, you're going to want to make sure you remember your dad the way he was. Um, and we still don't understand that. And so I think we may have seen the last little shred of Jeremiah when he saved Kara and Monel uh, in that moment. And then, you know, Cadmus is going full tilt on whatever they were doing to him after that. Yeah. Um, but you know, like I said, now we can kind of look at the future of the show for the rest of the season. 
Um, we got some news about the musical we'll talk about in the news. Uh, but we do know we still are going to see a live wire coming back. We know we've got Parasite coming back. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot to be excited about. I have a really strong suspicion we're going to go to War World before the end of the season. Um, maybe even a lot sooner than we expect. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens in the next handful of episodes. Because we did get that tease on the mid-season finale of that spaceship coming down to Earth. That's looking at Earth-38 very clearly. And obviously mon is not giving us the whole truth. So how that's going to play out, I'm very curious. And then uh, we know they're going to be setting up a relationship with uh, John Jones and McGann Moores. So I think there's going to be a lot of awesome stuff still to come. And I'm pretty damn sure before the end of it, we're going to see Tyler Hodgman reprise the role of Clark Kent one I, more time. I really, I really do hope so. But I mean, I'm more excited for that. This, as we're talking right now, as we're actually recording this, the episode is airing. And I'm excited that we're kicking off the season with a Kevin Smith directed episode. Yeah. Because he, I mean, he has proven that he knows what he's doing when it comes to these DC shows. And. I just can't wait to see what this is what this is going to be. Yeah, I, I I'm right there with you. So, um any potential people from Superman lore or Supergirl lore who we haven't seen yet who we think might potentially fit into this season. You know, I I kind of hope they go to the National City Wharf at some point in time and we see Bibbo. I think that would be kind of cool. Um, you know, oh, I didn't even think pals. about Bibbo. I mean, obviously, he'd probably be in Metropolis, but I think it'd be kind of cool that uh, if he happened to be around National City, I think it would be kind of neat. It would be a nice little touch. Um, and uh, I, I think, honestly, I, I really want to see Mongol. I, I really want to see Mongol. Okay. So, All right. I mean, I, and then there is something that you mentioned that we'll talk about more in the news, too, that I'm really looking forward to as well. Mm-hmm. So. When we see that character pop up, as long, oh god, I hope that character is casted who we think it is. Uh, it's not. The casting has happened. Ah, damn it! <laughs> but we'll get into it at the, in the yeah. news. Yeah, exactly. So, um, anything else, or should we move on to the Flash? Let's head over to the Flash. All right. Uh, so, starting off with our grade for this one: A, B, C, D, or F. Do you want me to start this one? Yeah, please. Um, I am going. I'm going A, uh, and it, it's going to be an A minus, but uh, it's still an A uh, because I'm very pleased with what they're doing. I, I like the fact that um, I, I do wish we got a little bit more out of Flashpoint. Flashpoint seemed to wrap up a little too quickly for my taste, but um, I'm still happy with what they did to it. I'm happy that there's lingering effects that are causing things. Uh, you know that are that are definitely driving the story forward. You know we're seeing some, you know some shakeups with Barry and Cisco. We're seeing, uh, you know Jay Garrett come into the mix because this is now le- learning lessons for Barry. And, um, you know, and I've seen I've liked what we've seen so far. I was a little disappointed for a while uh, in the whole. Uh, um, God, my mind has gone blank. Good Lord. Alchemy. Alchemy. Thank you. Uh, you know, in the alchemy storyline, I thought that the way it wrapped up was a little too predictable. But that being said, even though it was predictable in who alchemy was, um, I still liked the way they did it. It was handled very well. And I like the fact that the team is potentially getting a new team member out of this, too. So. Yeah. 
Uh, I actually, I think I'm going to share with you on that, that A minus. I think that's exactly right where this hits. Um, I think only one show is getting an A plus from me, and it's really not hard to figure out which one that's going to be. <laughs> but um, yeah, A minus for me definitely as well. Um, I think right off the bat, it's crazy to think we're only going into what, episode 10? Yeah, episode 10. 10. So we're not even halfway through the actual season. The midseason breaks happen really early this season. And if you think about what they have managed to do in those 10 episodes, man, they set up a lot. And they did a lot in a really short period of time. Because you're almost forgetting, with the exception of Supergirl, every one of these shows basically lost an episode due to the crossover. Um, where they couldn't solely focus on just their show. I mean, granted, it did move some great things forward, especially in The Flash. But I, if you think about it, the first two episodes being Flashpoint, well, the first episode being Flashpoint, and then the direct ramifications of Flashpoint in the second episode, uh, we saw what happened to Caitlin uh, becoming Killer Frost. That played out in actually a really great way. We were introduced to Savitar. We were introduced to Dr. Alchemy, who has already, we've already had that dealt with and addressed. So there's still so much to happen. Oh my God. I mean, we still know that, you know, Cisco is getting his actual costume this season. We met a new Harrison Wells. They've done an incredibly large amount of things already in such a short period of time and gave us one of the coolest crossovers I've ever seen anywhere. Amazing. So, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, even where you think they may have misstepped a little bit, and I think everybody kind of agrees that the alchemy stuff, I, you know, I'm right there with you, Ben. Uh, and the Savitar stuff is not playing out, you know, the best. But the fact that they kind of wrapped up Savitar somewhat already for at least the time being makes me really curious on what's to come for this show the rest of the season. Because we still have, like, what, 13 episodes still to go? Yeah. and So and, we've and, got a lot of show. Yeah. And even as you had mentioned, too, you know, in just 10 episodes... You know, they've set up a lot for what the remainder of this season is going to be. And, you know, you think about that in, your ten epi- in those 10 episodes. Take out one for Invasion. You're down to nine. Take out the first two for, you know, Flashpoint and wrapping up Flashpoint. You're down to seven. So in seven episodes, they've set up a lot, you know, to continue into this season. Yeah. I mean, think about it. We also saw Wally, Wally Nail get his speed. We, we saw, saw Jesse. Jesse- we saw Jesse Quick get her costume. Yeah. It feels like an eternity ago that this happened. All of that happened so far in a course of seven episodes. That's insane. And none of that time felt wasted. None of it felt wasted at all. We got introduced to Julian Albert, who feels like he's been around forever. The way that that works and functions with that crew and cast, man, you know, such a great addition to the show. And, you know, we, we still have to figure out how a couple other things are still going to fit into this big picture. We know Rick Kostnitz coming back. We know uh, Robbie Amell coming back. Yeah, Robbie Amell is coming back. There's a big talk that Patty Spivet is coming back this season still, too. Um, so much is going to happen in this, man. I, I, I'm really, really excited for what's still to come. Um, because, again... We could still, you know, be have the wool pulled over our eyes, and Savitar isn't the big bad. There still could be somebody else behind all of this pulling the strings that we haven't even thought about yet. Yeah. Um, you know, we've had some great fan theories out there that we'll get into a little bit later. I mean, on who Savitar really is. Is it actually traditional Savitar from the comics? I've read an amazing theory online that somebody said it's Abracadabra. 
And I'm like, and they said, this is how it ties together. I'm like, that is genius. There's been so many great ideas that people are having. And it feels like any one of those ideas is fully credible and works in this world. Now we get to see them mess around with time travel because they're now taking knowledge of the future and figuring out how to change it. So it makes you wonder, are they going to make a small alteration and hop to the future at different points? So I'm really curious if that's now going to be the MO for the show for the rest of the season is going back and be like, wow, this changed dramatically. Um, you know, Iris still died, but now other things are happening, and we're now looking at this complete alternate time timeline where characters we never thought we'd see are going to be around because of it. Um, so, yes, yeah, so much is completely out there and has so much potential now in this show. And we know we still have, you know, Gorilla Grodd, and, you know, Solovar is going to be in the mix at some point. We have a musical crossover um and i'll not bury the lead on this we have a musical episode <laughs> so uh not crossover so lots and stuff is still going to happen and uh i'm really excited to see what they do and what direction they're going to go with this but i think it's going to be fantastic so wait are we getting a musical crossover and a musical episode i thought they were one in the same uh they are one in the same okay one episode buddy no crossover the crossover is supergirl is coming over to the flash with some of her cast members. Okay, and that's so it. they're coming over to The um, Flash, and it's just one episode dealing with... Okay. Not a two-parter. They did say they're treating it the same way Invasion was with... Uh, it will start on Supergirl at the end of the episode as the setup, and then everything heads over to The Flash. Gotcha. So, okay. So no no waste of time with the setup in Flash. They're going to get right to it, but Supergirl is just the lead-in. Um, so kind of disappointing, but I can understand why you, you don't have two episodes that are musicals so yeah because that's a lot for them to write musically especially if they're going to do all original songs or whatever so yeah i i do there are definitely a lot of things that i'm looking forward to for for this second half of the season as well i mean it's I, i'm looking forward to seeing a little bit more of the development of hr because you know as we mentioned before we went to the break or the show went to the break hr was something that was he was still somebody who needed to grow on me and i still think there's something secret about him i'm not necessarily saying it's good or if it's bad uh, you know i don't necessarily think it means he's a villain you know as we found out you know harrison wells was before it could very potentially just be there's just something about him he's hiding and it's not really anything huge it's just something to drive the story forward a little bit more so i'm looking forward to seeing more of the development of hr because i love um you know, I, I love Tom Cavanaugh, so I, I'm really looking forward to seeing. And I, I've mentioned this before, too. This this is a show full of an amazing cast. But Tom Cavanaugh is one of my personal favorites because he, out of everybody, has played four different characters already. You know, if not more for, you know, short periods of time. You know, he's played more characters than anybody else, and they're all the same character. That's what's brilliant about it to me, too. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that. I can't wait to see more of the interaction between uh, Wally and Barry with the Flash and Kid Flash working together. I can't wait to see that team up, especially if Jesse Quick comes into the comes into play at some point, and it's three speedsters together doing some amazing speedster team ups. I, I hope we get to see that at some point. So there's definitely some things that I'm I'm really really looking forward to. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I think you pretty much covered everything else. It's, I can't wait. I love this show so much. Well, one thing I can say as far as uh, 
HR is concerned. Uh, they did give the synopsis for not this week, but I think next week uh, when Gypsy comes into the mix. And uh, she is actually hunting down HR because she comes from his Earth and he broke a major law of Earth-19, which is no time travel or no uh, no dimension hopping. So he is a wanted man now on his Earth, and that is why Gypsy is there. So, and uh, he is wanted, basically dead or dead. Oh, so, uh, all right. It's going to be you know vibe versus Gypsy for that one. So, kind of excited about that, but I think that's next week. So it looks like I don't know if this is the same. It is. Um, Miss Tessmacher is in next week's Flash. Huh. <laughs> uh, I don't know how that is. That's going to be very interesting. But uh, Eve Tessmacher, uh, the same actress who played her in Supergirl, is listed in the cast of uh, cast of credits for next week's Flash, along with Gypsy and, and everybody else. So uh, I don't know how that's going to be, <laughs> how that's going to tie in. But I thought I heard some rumblings that James Olsen is coming over, too, for a quick appearance somehow. Um, I don't know how that's going to function. So... I could be totally wrong on that one, but it's a wait and see. Yeah. But, yeah, no, Flash, I think Flash is really, real, honestly, at this point, doing no wrong. They had a couple minor, minor missteps uh, this season, but they were they were not massive by any way uh, you know, or stretch of the imagination at this point. I think they're doing a great job. That show still continues to impress me, and I didn't even say it, but you did. And having John Wesley Shipp still in the mix has been wonderful, and I love watching him as Jay Garrick. I, yeah, and I, I definitely hope we get to see more of him. And I will put this out there now. Uh, there is a very, very, very strong potential. I'm already working on this. That uh, come April, so a little bit, a couple, little bit ways down the road, uh, we will have an in-person interview with John Wesley Ship. That's awesome. Uh, so. Um, I'm already working my magic. He will be at Great Philadelphia Comic Con in April, which is in our area. Uh, I've already been speaking to the con about potentially you and I doing an in-person interview with him. And I've also been talking to them that if he does do a panel about me moderating the panel. Nice. So that would uh, that would be awesome. Very cool. So, so uh, I think we're good on Flash. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned real quick they've had a couple minor missteps, and I mentioned in the beginning one of them was about Julian being alchemy. Uh, but, you know, like they said, it's just, like you said too, it's just a small sidestep, and I like the way they corrected it. So They, they, they introduced it early and, and got it wrapped up quick. They didn't drag it on, and that's actually the good way to handle it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that, like, okay, it was predictable. Uh, when he opens the drawer and he's alchemy, it's like, oh, great. You know, that I saw that coming. But then what follows it? I'm like, okay. I, 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 now I understand why that happened, and I, and I like it. I'm okay with it. So, uh, But, yeah, let's move on to Arrow. And we will give it a letter grade. We'll take it over to you again for this one. So Arrow, season four, second, or is it season four, or season five? Season five. Season five. That's what I thought. Season four was, we complained a lot about. Uh, yeah, boo. <laughs> yeah. Season five, or Se season four, F. First half. Season of five, <laughs> first A plus. Okay, so this is your A plus then. Mm -hmm. Okay. A plus. Uh, why? Tell me a little bit. Why? All right. So it is... No, you know, hidden mystery that season three and season four really lost me as far as Arrow. Um, season three started in a big, bad way. Not a big fan of the way that ended at all. Season four got better. 
and then it got drastically worse. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't think that show could get any worse after season four. And uh, if it did, I probably wouldn't be talking about that show anymore. Um, I would have actually made a hard call and said, you can find another co-host just to talk about Arrow, and I'll join you for the rest. Um, <laughs> that would have been interesting. Yep. Yeah, Craig could have been could have could have jumped on and we he could have had the Craig minute or so, TJ. Yeah, seriously. Well, no, I don't think TJ TJ stopped watching for a while too. Uh on Arrow. I think he is now back, but uh I I got to say right off the bat, man, I, you know, if we were doing like the yearbook <laughs> most improved student Arrow. <laughs> Arrow, yeah. It's true. Um man, yeah, this is like this is the height of season 2 all over again, but it feels like every episode Every episode has been fan-fucking-tastic. Um, and I try not to curse on this show too much, but holy shit, this show has been so fucking good. I love every second of what they've done this season. Yeah. Um, and I love it. It's a it's a villain that we know nothing about. I don't even care who he is. I don't need some massive reveal. What they're doing has been nothing but exceptional. Um, and in addition to that, man, their 100th episode was such a great callback to all the great things that happened before this, this show and easily, I still think that tie-in crossover episode that was episode 100, one of the best fights this show has ever, ever done. Agreed. Beautifully uh, done, with the exception of maybe the mid-season finale when we saw him going up against everything that Prometheus was, was showing him. Uh, you know, it was like setting up the crime scene to be just like when the Hood took down uh, his potential, uh, Prometheus's potential father. The way that all of this went down was just brilliant, man. The new, the new cast, the new crew, been a ton of fun to watch. And, I mean, the future's never looking bright for Oliver. It even looks even bleaker this season. But you know what, man? Keep doing the same stories. Keep playing with this. Have fun with it. And keep showing me more of this new cast. I love watching them. They are such a great mix. And then that nice tease that we've got Black Siren now you know skulking around this universe and uh mixing it up from what we've seen in these promos uh i'm really excited to see what they're gonna do with that yeah i mean you know i give this 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 season is an a plus as well and it's one of those things that you know you you talk you joke about the yearbook thing but you're absolutely right i mean if if you were to give this you know one of those traits arrow gets most improved i mean you it is night and day season four and season five and it, the weird thing about it is, too, like, I remember when I moderated the panel in Atlanta and I was talking to, um, you know, the, the cast of Arrow, you know, Paul Blackthorne and, and Katie Cassidy, David Ramsey and all them on stage. They I got I spoke to a couple people in the audience because I did praise how good I thought this season was compared to, you know, past. And I got a couple groans from people afterwards who, like, they said they kind of groaned at me saying how good season five was because they don't agree with that. And I don't know how that's possible. Um, I think these are the kind of people that fall into the whole pigeonhole of uh, they watch the show strictly for allicity. And now they're not getting it anymore, so now they're not happy. Well, you know, as Steven himself has said, you don't always get what you want. As a viewer of the show and as a fan of the the material, this season has been fantastic. And it's even like you mentioned about, you know, Prometheus. We don't need a big reveal. Hell, I would even go as far as to say, I don't care if we ever find out who it is. Because they're doing so well with building this. Like, this could be somebody, like, when he's finished and they wrap up this story, if it's still a mystery who Prometheus ever was, I would love that. Like, I don't know how you feel about that. 
actually that would be kind of cool. It's kind of becomes Ollie's white whale. Yeah. Like never knows it kind of haunts him a little bit. It it's so, some... it, it almost becomes almost like the whole I I, I compare it to Sherlock Holmes and you know Moriarty and uh you know the final fall over the falls is that you never know whether or not Moriarty is still alive or not and this could be one of those things that you know Prometheus is somebody who's built up as an ultimate nemesis of, of Oliver because he knows all about his past he knows everything about him and he's even formed his weapons from previous weapons Oliver has used Prometheus in a sense is Oliver's Moriarty yeah he he's he's like I said and everybody always jokes that especially when the show started, that this is the CW's Batman. You know, that's kind of his Joker almost. He is so ingrained inside Ollie's head at yeah. this point. And, and I love watching that. It's working so incredibly well. Yeah, so, I mean, if they did something wrapping up and it's, you know, to the point where Mori I almost called him Moriarty now. Um, you know, Prometheus is, you know, is taken off a cliff or, you know, whatever, and it's left to... To complete mystery as to whether he's alive or dead, or even if he is dead and his identity is a compl- still a complete mystery, I would love that still hanging over Oliver's head a little bit. Like you said, yeah. it's his white whale. Yeah, it would it would work for me. I think it. Whatever they do with it, you know what? They could be like, "Hey, it was Malcolm Merlin." I'm sure that's fine. Whatever. That, I don't care if that's where they go. I don't. I don't think there's anything that could lessen it. You know, I, I really don't care at this point. I, I just want to watch this story play out. What doesn't matter how how it ends, really. I think in my mind, but I'm really happy as long as they keep up the same pace. What and they make him that incredibly intelligent. What if it's another Earth's Oliver? That could be pretty cool. Ollie, um, Ollie versus Ollie. That could be interesting. That would definitely um, be interesting. <laughs> It's the Earth 2 Oliver Queen. Oh, my God. That would be fucking awesome. <laughs> think of it. Because See? everybody said he died on the Queen's Gambit. Yep. That would be really awesome if that's not what happened. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Why did you say that? I, now I'm going to be thinking about that for the next couple of days. <laughs> I just thought of it now, and I'm thinking, I'm like, holy shit, that would be amazing. Oh, that'd be cool That would fuck. certainly be awesome. So, But, yeah, I mean, there's definitely this show. I didn't expect after season four for me to enjoy Arrow as much as I am this season. And it's really blown me away how much I, I have been. Uh, you know, we've gotten some great episodes directed by James Bamford, who used to be the stunt coordinator. We've seen, uh, you know, some amazing fights come out of the season, both in the 100th episode and, and earlier on with Prometheus. And I just, I really can't wait to see where they're going to go with this. And yeah. uh, it's this season has this season has blown me away. Yeah, I think honestly at this point in time, um, I'm really excited. I know not this episode, uh, not so not Wednesday night, but next week we'll see Paul Blackthorne's character. You know, we'll see Lance coming out of rehab, so he'll be back in the mix. Um, you know, it sounds like we're just getting Katie Cassidy. You know, this week, uh, but I'm sure she's going to make quite a few other appearances. I know people have already spotted her in Vancouver just last week, which means she's obviously filming something. More than likely, my guess is Legends of Tomorrow. But I have a feeling she's going to be uh, she's going to be a big proponent uh, either later this season and in season six. Well, n- so. next week we're also getting Talia Al Ghul coming yes, into the we mix are. too. So uh, that's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm really excited to see what they're going to do with everything. And I, again, I have no idea where they're going to go. And you know what? I, I'm totally fine with that. Me just, too. I, I, I It doesn't bother it, me at keep all. Keep it coming. Just keep it coming. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm just really excited to see 
this show play out. And out of all these shows, as much as I'm so excited for all these little things and Legends of Tomorrow and all's episode this week, I'm so excited to see whatever the hell they do in Arrow. That is that big, huge X factor for me that just just give me more Arrow. I am so pumped. <laughs> <for> <laughs> I'm right. I never thought I'd say that ever again. But give me more Arrow. I'm right there with you, man. They they did some course correcting. Uh, you know, into this season, and it's worked, man. It's paid off because it's made. Oh. Me, I was never not a fan, but it has made me a huge fan again. Uh, and one of the things we didn't even bring up, man, the flashbacks are fucking fun. Yeah, like, I, I, they're like it's, uh, you know, yeah, they do seem a little disconnected here and there every once in a while, but you know what? They're up. It's actually been an engaging story. And Dolph Lundgren has just been such a good bad guy. I'd love him in that role. Well, not only, um, not only that, but one of the things that we're getting out of the flashbacks this season that I don't think we've gotten any out of any other is that there are elements of actual humor in the flashbacks this time around. Uh, you know, with interactions between him and some of the other Russians. And it's I think that adds to the enjoyment of these flashbacks. And I don't think yeah. that's anything we've even really brought up yet at this point is that there are moments that happen, like when there are interactions between them, that actually make us chuckle. They don't make us belly laugh, but they make us chuckle. It, yeah. the, the flashbacks are a little more lighthearted than they have been. Yeah, and you know what? And the funny thing is, too, like we're talking big about Prometheus. There's two other things that I want to still see happen this season. Uh, I'm really interested in watching the continuing things of what happens with uh, you know uh, Vigilante in the mix and how he potentially continues to muck things up for this team while they're dealing with a, a greater threat. Vigilante has actually been really fun to have in the background of all of this stuff happening. And he's just added this extra wrinkle that is making every situation that much more of a nightmare for them. Um, so that's that's been incredibly entertaining. The other part of this still, too, is we now have the new team members having a bigger stake in this now with Evelyn betraying them, how that's going to play out. And there's a part of me that still wants to see uh, Human Target you know, come back for one more episode. Oh, God, me he too. was so much fun. Human Target was great. Yeah, me too, for sure. Christopher Chance was such a fun throwaway episode that worked incredibly well, and I want to see him back in the mix sometime soon. It's fine if we don't get to see Constantine again, at, you know, for quite some time. If they give us Christopher Chance, all, all is forgiven. I mean, as much as I would like to see Constantine show up again, I just don't see where he would fit in this story. I have a thought process, but... Oh, all right. So, I'll do this really quick, because then we'll move into Legends, but, uh... So, I, my thought process right now is because we kind of do a little bit of theorizing when we're, we're talking about these report cards, but as we all know at this point, Black Siren is indeed the Laurel Lance that we are going to be dealing with. But what if there is a way for next season for uh, the original Laurel from Earth-1, her spirit to inhabit... Um, Black Siren and take over. So, and having Constantine maybe be the one to do that could be kind of interesting. That would be interesting. I never even thought about that. So that's an idea, but at the same time, though, too, you know what? I think it would be kind of cool just to see, you know, Black Siren go through like a, some a redemption kind of, story. Or, yeah, a good yeah. redemption angle, and then something actually legitimately starting between her and Ollie. I think that would work just as well. Yeah, I, I think that would work as well, too. But, I mean, again, so much potential for this season, and I just, we're both on board with how excited we are for this season and how su 
pleasantly surprised we are at, at how much we're enjoying it. I like you said, I, if we were, if you would have told me, you know, at the end of season four when we're doing midseason report cards for season five, we were giving it an A plus. I would have told you you were out of your mind mm-hmm. after that last season. But we're both on board for A pluses, man, and it's it, it's been good so far. So yeah. Uh, let's move on then to the final show, Legends of Tomorrow Season 2. Uh, we'll give it our letter grade of A, B, C, D, or F. And I'll start this one off. And I'm giving it a B. It's it's a solid B+. Plus. I still think there's a lot of potential for where this show goes. And I still do highly enjoy it. Um, but I think, uh, I think a lot of it was built up to invasion to be honest with you i think it was a lot of filler stories leading up to invasion which was still a lot of fun but i I think now into this second half we're going to see the return of rip hunter and i think now we're going to i think now's where this show is going to hit the road running and i think we're going to see a lot more excitement i think we're going to see a lot more story driven episodes more episodes tied together into a continuing storyline and I'm I'm definitely super excited. Just Raiders of the Lost Art. Haven't even seen the episode yet. The premise is brilliant. And that alone makes me excited for this season. Yeah. So for the remainder of this season. Uh but what about you with with the letter grade with this one? Um I'm going to go probably A minus I think for this one for me. So you're um, straight A's today. Yeah, I'm actually straight A's. I mean, if we were talking Gotham, that wouldn't be the case. Oh, but, yeah. That, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, I'm going to go A- minus just because I think there's no real dead weight um, this season. I, I, everything that they've done so far has been really fun, and I don't think they've even shown their hand yet. I, I think every even if, it's, if you're, okay, yeah, maybe the plot lines haven't been super in-depth and deep, but if you're tuning into the show just to have fun, Man, this show succeeds every episode. Hands down, every episode. There's something that you're either constantly laughing your ass off, having a wow moment. I mean, we saw the JSA, and we know they're not done yet. I mean, there's more yet to come. And the new cast members, man, they are such great additions. Amaya and Nate have been awesome to have in this cast. Um, And even not having, you know, Rip around has been fine. Um, and it doesn't feel like we're missing anything major because the new cast is working so well. Yeah, I mean, and that was one of the things that I said too, and uh, earlier on is that this show has built itself up to show that yes, Rip is the one that pulled them together, but they stand without him. They can do well without him. And I'm changing my grade. I'm changing my grade real quick to an A minus, and it's only because I just remembered something that I don't know why I didn't incorporate into my grade before. This show is giving us something that. I'm I, I can't wait to see what the future potential of this is because they're not even close to putting it all together yet. We're getting the Legion of Doom. It, yeah. It's I mean it's a it's a different version of the Legion of Doom that we know, but still, like, we're getting the Legion of Doom. We've got the Hall of Justice and the Legion of Doom. Like yeah. and it, it's amazing. And and Captain Cold is still yet to return, and I, everybody said it's happening very soon, so it's not far off. It's another probably episode or two away. And you know what, though? For every episode that, that still has distance, man, we get Ray and Nate together being big brother, little brother, and it's so fucking funny. I love watching the two of them play off of each other. 
They work so well. And Mick has been such a great character in the mix of all of this. He's been such a great wild card in X Factor. And the fact that they're building him and Amaya up is working really well. If you told me that was going to happen at the start of all this, would have never believed you at all. But it's been exceptional. Sarah's been such a great captain in the absence of uh, Rip. And, man, Jefferson and, ja- and you know Dr. Stein have just been... They've been the heart of all of this for so long, and it's showing, and it's working. And when you put them all together, you just get a really fun experience. I mean, it may not be flawless, because none of these shows really are. But, I mean, and I know a lot of people out there still say this is the show that's on the lowest end of the totem pole. You know what, though? Even if that still is on the low end of your totem pole, it's hard not to say that it's you don't enjoy the show for what it's doing, because... The humor and the action and all of that are excelling nonstop. And it's so much fun to watch Reverse Flash, Damian Dark, you know, Malcolm Merlin, and pretty soon Captain Cold to be the people that are causing these people headache after headache. And I'm so pumped to see it. This is one of those shows, and I know I said that, like, we're going to see, like, a continuing storyline into the second half. But in all honesty, this is one of those shows that, with this cast of characters being who they are, and there's not a bad... There's not a bad apple in the bunch at all. Every one of them stands out. Every one of them has their own quirks and things that make their character great. But this is one of those shows that once they develop the Legion of Doom, you know, completely, when they bring Captain Cold into the mix, they could literally go the rest of this season in an episode to episode, you know, story to story. Uh, you know, where it's it's one it becomes one of those shows that you don't have to watch it regularly. You can tune in one week and not miss anything, you know, where the, the Legion of Doom is doing something to prevent these guys from doing, you know, from something or other. And at the end of the episode and they stop them, you know, curse you legends like one of those kind of things, you know, like like we grew up with just like a, a live action cartoon of what we used to watch when we were kids. This is a show that essentially could be an episode to episode, um, you know, single story episode show, uh, you know, and just throw in the, the occasional crossovers with these shows. And this show would still work that way. Yeah. And I think that's actually one thing to really say very highly about the show. And I really agree with the point you just made. Uh, one thing that draws people away from comic books so heavily is the long, ongoing story where you feel like you have to know everything. And I think you may agree with me on this point, but Flash feels like that's one of those shows. You have to know what's been going on. That show is kind of really dependent on that stuff. Like, why is this person here? Who is this? Why is this person? Why are they talking about six different Earths? Yeah, uh, and- Arrow is built up on the past. Supergirl is even getting that way. Legends is not. Legends is a traditional one-issue comic where you can read it, enjoy it, and yeah, they may mention things, but you don't feel lost. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. And and that's one of the things I think I like so much about this show um, is the fact that it is. It's it's a one-off storyline. Um, you know, I think you, you take the beginning of the season to set up who your big bads are going to be, like Legion of Doom, bring them all together. Maybe those episodes, if you miss one or two in between, you might miss something here or there. But once everything is set up, once Rip is back in the mix, once the Legion of Doom is put back together, you could complete the rest of the season as, like, as you mentioned, one issue comic books, one story per issue comic books. And, it, you know, it literally is, as I said, like a cartoon brought to life. And yeah. 
episode to episode to episode. If you miss a week, you you know, that's fine. You can go back and watch it later, and you don't have to worry about missing anything. Yeah, I mean, like, we know there's going to be a big story in the mix here. Like, they already brought up the whole idea of the Spear of Destiny that the, the Legion of Doom is after, and that's going to be fun to watch. But I th- still think where those are almost going to feel like little stingers at the end of the next couple episodes still before we get really in-depth to it. Feels like it's a comic book that's getting its partial run of the year, and then says at the end of the year, the last four issues of the big crossovers, big storyline that's going to be all super tied together. But everything else up to there, I think, I think you can turn on the show, be able to enjoy the characters, be like, hey, that was actually really funny dialogue. Not even know who these people are and be like, this is fun. And if you can just walk away from it and say this is fun, and not need something, you know, beyond all else. Um, then you you can enjoy this show on a, on a really high level, and I think that's the way I've been viewing it since the start of it. I'm like, I'm getting a big crossover show with all these heroes and villains. Cool. That's all I ever wanted it to be was fun, and the first season lost that idea. This season totally fixed that. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it, it's even with the you know the new cast of characters that have been brought in, it, it it's still just it's it like you said. I mean, the key word for this show is fun. Mm-hmm. And and that's what it is, and that's what these shows should always be. You know, we're yeah. we're fully invested in the other shows that are story driven and such. And you know, we've been watching them from the beginning, so now we're to a point where we don't mind that they're story driven. But you know, this show, and I think that might be one of the reasons why people think this show falls at the bottom of the totem pole, which isn't a detriment to the show at all. It's just it just means it's a different kind of vibe, and that's not what they're used to when it comes to these shows. They're used yeah. to the story driven show. Yeah, it's the DC popcorn flick, basically. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's the concept, hey, you know what, regardless, anytime you finish watching an episode, you'll probably go through a mixed bag of emotions at times, but you'll always probably end up like, that was great. That was just super fun and super silly. And I mean, honestly, all you have to do is go back to watch the first episode of this season and just watch the first five minutes when you have the three musketeers kind of moment where everything is just going completely wrong. And it was this great reintroduction to the show. And it captured what the rest of the season has been so far yeah. in that quick five, ten minute opening. And it was perfect. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, what kind of things do you think you'd like to see come into the second half of the season? Uh, I want to go back to Star City 2046 before this season is out. I would love to see Connor Hawk team up with the Legends uh, at this point. I think that is one of the biggest things on my wish list. Uh, and then I want to see them go to 2056, and I want to see Bart Allen. Uh, or old man Barry, give me one of the two. Yeah. But I think we're still gonna. I think we're gonna see Connor, and I do think we're gonna see that that Barry Allen in the future because I don't think that prophecy had anything to do with invasion. I think there's something really big brewing on the future that just hasn't happened yet. Yeah. And uh, I think that's where it's going. I'm the same way. I think it, I I I don't think it really has anything to do with invasion. And I would love to see. I, I didn't even really think about twenty forty six, and I I would definitely like to see Connor Hawk again as well. But uh, yeah, I think the old man Barry is something I would like to see, and Bart Allen would be amazing. Mm-hmm. So I I just think by the time we hit season three, I think the legends need a speedster. I think it's time. Um, and if they're going to continually shake up the formula of who's in the mix. I think if any characters are going away at the end of the season, I think it might be Mick and it might be Amaya. I could see Mick saying, you know what? My best friend's dead. I'm going to go back to, you know, the 40s and maybe be a, the Heat Wave is now a member of the JSA. 
um, and him and Amaya stay together, and that's how it's going to work. And now we got two seats open on the wave rider again, and maybe it's Connor Hawk and Bart Allen next season. Because that would be a great way to shake it up for season three. Well, we hadn't even mentioned before, too, about the possibility that, you know, that Mick could be the the father of the vixen that we knew from Arrow. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, that because could of be him, fantastic. Because of him interacting with Amaya. So it's, you know, the, the potential father of vixen from Arrow could be one of the legends. Mm-hmm. So and I think or there's def- there's still potential to that. I think they actually would be grandfather because I think they did say this is the. Oh, yeah, it is. It's the of grandmother of Vixen. So. Yeah. But either or, you know what, man, I whatever they, they seem like they want to do, do it up. It feels like just like Arrow. Just keep having fun. I think all four of these shows, they, they've just excelled this this start of the season. And all these shows are 10 episodes in. Some of these shows are only nine episodes in. Um, and man, I, the fact that these shows are back this week, things have been stressful for me right now. I mean, big work change, super, uh, you know, like learning anything new is a lot when you're learning a lot of new <laughs> and you have new knowledge Man, having something like this to come home to and be able to be talk about and geek out about this stuff and then be like, hey, man, my as Kevin Smith puts it best, my stories are on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, yeah, these uh, are our soap I, operas, man. They are. And I'm so excited that I know later tonight. I'm going to be able to watch Supergirl <laughs> tomorrow. I get my Flash. I get Legends of Tomorrow. And then we cap it off um, on Wednesday night with uh, with Arrow. Yeah. So, yeah. And you know what? I'm actually liking the fact of Legends moving to after Flash as well. Uh, I like everything being a little bit more condensed and having, you know, Thursday and Friday to kind of uh, rewatch everything if I want to before we start talking about everything on the when we record and, and things like that so i like having that extra day to rewatch everything or even just rewatch it for fun as a fan yeah um, have more time to do it you know yeah exactly so I, i'm liking the fact that that it's it's following flash and i think flash out of all the shows is the best one for it to follow obviously yeah. uh crazy thought as far as you said you had mentioned empty seats on the wave rider and a potential of Connor and Bart potentially joining those seats but i'm looking at my pop vinyl pic- uh, figures on my desk and it makes me curious if we were to add a speedster to the wave rider what would you think about potentially it becoming jay garrick um i think jay would be an interesting mix but i think you if if you have Martin Stein there, I, I think having two fatherly two, uh, figures, fatherly figures, I think would be a little weird. I think that would be a little too many. One too many. Uh, one works too, just way too much. My two dads of the Wave Rider. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if that quite fits the bill. Um, but you know, who's to say that Jack, uh, Jackson, Stein aren't the ones to leave because Stein's like, hey, I'm a dad. I've never been a dad before. I'm ready to go home and spend time with my daughter. Um, makes perfect sense, too. So anything could happen. Um, but, yeah, I, I would love to see see a little bit of a shakeup, but I would love to see a speedster on that ship. And it doesn't matter who it is. It would be great to see if it was Jesse Quick. Oh, you know, that would Wally be interesting. West. You could do anything you want to, and I think that's the great thing with this show. It's got so much potential. We're working on time travel. Who's to say we can't pluck from another, another Earth and time travel? Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. That would be interesting yeah. too. Harrison Harrison Wells on the Wave Rider as well. Gar- how about Guardian on the Wave Rider? Um I don't know if that would fit. Yeah, that even saying that, I'm like, that felt weird. Yeah, it does. It, it just feels weird to think about. Yeah. Um 
Earth 38 and Earth 1. The two shall never pass in the future. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely a, a huge cast of characters that, you know, could potentially join the Wave Rider. And I like the idea of shaking it up every season and changing the characters out. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, and I, I just like the potential that that holds. Yeah. So, but I think that's going to wrap it up for our mid season report card. Yeah, for, I think that shows. That was. I feel like we're back in our stride too. Last I, week, I, I think you and me were both like, eh, "I don't, I, I'm not quite there today." Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think taking this time to talk about these episodes again, I, I think now we're just we're starting to get back into that that itch to watch these shows and to talk about them again. And I think this kind of like helped us out a little bit, and hopefully everybody who's listening, it kind of got you guys. Um, you know, into that as well. If you're listening to this, you've probably already seen Supergirl. So uh, we apologize for that. Don't spoil it for us. Um, we'll have seen it by the time you listen to this. So I- I'm very excited now to for these shows to come back. And um, I'm seeing Facebook postings all over the place of, you know, people watching Supergirl at this point. And it's making me incredibly jealous <laughs> that we're talking about it and not watching it. Well, like I said, all we got to do is we got to get through maybe the next hour, like our, well, not for the show, but in, in real time for us. It's nine o'clock now, so Supergirl just wrapped up within the last five minutes, um, so we're going to get through the news. By the time we wrap this up, you and me finish our conversation probably for the evening. I'm sure you'll already have it ready for us to watch. Yeah, so. most likely. <laughs> yep, Exactly. So, uh, but let's move things forward. We'll get ready to wrap things up. But before we do that, let's hit the news for this week. Rob, tell us a little bit about what's new in the world of DC. Not a ton. Um, I mean, there's there's some fair amount of stuff, but actually, for the most part, not a lot is happening in the television side of the world. But so we're going to start right into the movie realm of uh, all of this, and that's into the DCEU. First things first, we'll dive into a little Justice League talk. That being specifically. Looked like a shot came out this week of Henry Cavill in a black Superman suit, also including a black cape. So not quite the traditional old school that everybody was probably expecting or thinking. This could be very much doctored up, but I do actually think this is going to be the uh, regeneration suit. Um, And from the side shot that you can see of it uh, that's out there, I'm not even going to post this to the Facebook page because it's super blurry. So this is a little bit of speculation. Uh, it looks really good. Everything about this actually looks fantastic, and it's got me even more hopeful, I think, than I am currently. Still, <laughs> not, it's not saying optimistic, but hopeful. Um, but right now, yeah, uh, it, it's looking good. There's also another really great couple shots that is from Preview Magazine showing off uh, Batman, Flash, Cyborg, and Wonder Woman. Uh, all joined up, uh, so another good picture of that, and everybody in that cast is looking fantastic. The suits look so good, and I really hope this movie uh, knocks it out of the park, because I, I think it's it's time. I hope so, but again, I've been misled by trailers before, so I, I, when it comes to DC, like I'm at the point where I just gotta wait, and I have to wait to view the movie. I can't go by trailers. I'm going in with every one of these now, low expectations, and hopefully coming out happy, because, you know, that's how it worked for Suicide Squad for me, and I'm perfectly good with that. So next up on the docket is let's talk a little bit about Dwayne The Rock Johnson, because we talked about him last week, 
But within that time, man, things change really fast in the course of a couple days. Um, so no longer is Dwayne Johnson attached to the Shazam film at all. Um, there has been a lot of conflicting reports out there, but he is not going to be in the movie, it seems like, at all. And instead, instead of being there as the villain, as many people expected, uh, going up against Captain Marvel, he is getting his own solo outing. Uh, and it sounds like this is going to be in conjunction with Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema. And uh, it sounds like we may not even have to wait that long for that film to come out because there is nobody attached to uh, directing that film or writing that quite yet. But it did sound like we might even see him as early as making an appearance in Aquaman. So kind of curious to see how that plays out. But it sounds like we could be seeing him in the James Wan uh, film starring Jason Momoa. So wait and see. But man, can you imagine if Aquaman and the Rock, oh, yo, Jason Momoa and the Rock go toe to toe? Um, that would be that's like the kind of fight that you don't even want to be in the same town. Yeah, kind of. Because um, you'd just be like. You'd be injured by shockwaves. Yeah. So uh, it's a big wait and see. Uh, I know that is still massive rumors at this point in time. But, uh, you know, The Rock is the one that did say, hey, you know, we know he met with DC Entertainment last week. They wanted to shake things up. Obviously, this guy is just a massive Hollywood star. Making him just a villain does seem kind of silly. So the fact that they're saying, boom, Black Adam film, I'm curious to see how that's going to function, especially with him not attached to Shazam. But especially how he would fit into the mix if they did indeed have him included in Aquaman. But all in all, lots to be excited about. Very curious to see what they're going to do with him. Uh, um, but I am really happy to have Dwayne Johnson part of the DCEU family. Dude, I'm a, sticking... I'm, I'm a huge Dwayne Johnson fan, so I'm, I'm stoked about that. As I even said last week, man, since the rundown, absolutely. Just him being in films, do it up. Yep. Um. But we did get a little bit more on at least as far as uh, Shazam is, and that is going to be specifically the writer of this. And the writer of this is going to be Henry Gaiden, uh, and he is very well known for Earth to Echo. And uh, he worked as an assistant on... Ooh, uh, that's kind of sad to see. <laughs> uh, he was an assistant on Spider-Man 3. <laughs> so he doesn't have a lot going for him right now, but... Uh, I like how they put it, Earth to Echo, which had fairly average critical reception. <laughs> Just like most of the DC films, fairly average. <laughs> so, uh, so we're going to move on and out of that as fast as we can, because that's a... Uh, I don't know what to think about that one. Um, but as far as uh, heading back into some more stuff with uh, the DC Extended Universe... Jared Leto hit up Instagram this week, uh, and two back-to-back -back shots, one of them being a cover of The Killing Joke, the Alan Moore Killing Joke shot that everybody knows very, very well, and then a Gucci ring box with a tooth attached to it, and with what looks like a, a crown on top of the actual tooth itself, and being a literal crown, and then uh, a little, uh, little bit of additional bling, but it, that ring box being a very, very uh, plush purple so it looks like we are seeing a little nod to a return of his Joker probably soon. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him pop up potentially in uh, Justice League, even if it's for a quick moment. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if that did indeed happen. If not, I guarantee we'll probably get at least some form of mention of him in Gotham City Sirens. Uh, speaking of Joker, though, we did get a little bit of a, a heartfelt note from David Ayer this week. Yeah, I found this very, I found this very interesting. 
Uh, and you know what? I, I, I'm just going to go ahead and read his whole note because I, actually there's a lot here. Um, but I actually really kind of liked what he had to say here. Uh, he's like, thank you so much. I know it's a controversial film. I really tried to make something different with a look and a voice of its own. I took inspiration from the insanity of the original comics. Making a movie is a journey, not a straight line. I learned so incredibly much. People want what they want, and everybody has a personal view, uh, vision of how each character should look, walk, and talk. If you set out to make a mass appeal movie, it's easy to end up with a very vanilla product. But I went for it, and I know Suicide Squad has its flaws. Hell, the world knows it. Nothing hurts more than pick up a newspaper and see a couple of years of your blood, sweat, and tears ripped to shreds. The hate game is very strong out there. The movie has, has wildly success uh, has uh, was wildly successful commercially, and the world got introduced to some very cool characters in the DC universe. And that success is due to the exact uh, exactly to the wonder and power of DC of its characters. Would I do things uh, things differently? Yep, for sure. I wish I had a time machine. I'd make the Joker the main villain and engineer a more grounded story. I have to take the good and the bad and learn from it. I love making movies, and I love DC. I'm a high school dropout and used to paint houses for a living. I'm lucky to have the job I have. I have uh, have to give the characters the stories and the plots they deserve next time. Real talk. And no, there isn't a secret edit of the film with a bunch of Joker scenes hidden in a salt mine somewhere. Um, so, yeah, I think the fact that he is indeed coming back to do Gotham City Sirens... And him seeing these things, I think he knew what he wanted to do. And I think when you looked at when they unveiled those characters, some of them looked very traditional. Some of them, not at all. Um, you know, there was a lot of hate from the way the Joker looked. I know a lot of people were really pissed about that. And that, I think, really showed right from what Ayer was saying. is He's like, I wanted to do my version and my take. Then he realized, nope, kind of, I guess you can't do that. And I think... He's going to still have his own spin on things, his own take on things when we hit Gotham City Sirens, but I have a feeling it's going to be a little bit more traditional DC than Suicide Squad was. Yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah. The only thing I kind of disagree with in that, and again, it, that note is total opinion of, of himself. Um, it, he says that he would have made the Joker, a, you know, a storyline more centralized around the Joker, and I kind of, I don't know, I kind of disagree with that. I actually enjoyed what they did with Suicide Squad. I did too. And you know what? You and me may be in a minority on that. I've watched that movie like four or five times since it's come out. So have I. Um, and you know what? Every time I watch it, man, fun popcorn movie. Yeah. It's, it's just a fun popcorn movie. Um, and you know the fact that I've gone back to it that many times? I think I've only watched Civil War like two or three times since. And I love Civil War. Civil War was a great film. It was an awesome Marvel movie. But, like, you know, there's certain times you just like, I just want a fun flick with that's quippy and does all these things. And Civil War was that, but it was also heavy at times, too. But if you just go in and want a great time, man, like Guardians of the Galaxy, Suicide Squad, those movies are there. You can just have fun with them. Guardians of the Galaxy, I mean, Suicide Squad, and Deadpool. Those are, like my, yeah. those are like my three go-to popcorn comic book movies. Yeah, and, and you know what? I don't think there's anything wrong with any three of them. I know a lot of people are going to say one of these is not like the other and does it defi- definitely shouldn't stand on their own two feet with the others, but I disagree, and I really still enjoyed it, still loved it. And the director's cut, well worth your time, really well worth your time. Yeah. Um, so the last things we got to touch base with as far as the DC Extended Universe films is let's talk a little bit of the rumored Green Lantern Corps casting. I have three stories up. All with vastly different people <laughs> rumored to play this. So we're going to get the big one out of the way. Uh, and that is the six actors on the shortlist to play Hal Jordan. 
Uh, and let me skim through really quickly. Ryan Reynolds. And he's like, Ryan Reynolds is indeed in that list, <laughs> um, which is kind of funny. Um, the other ones being in the mix of that is Army Hammer, who is from the Lone Ranger, uh, and actually was going to be playing Batman in the George Miller version of the Justice League. Give me one second. Sorry, I got a cough coming. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. Uh, the other one being Tom Cruise. Please don't let that happen. No. Uh, Bradley Cooper from Guardians of the Galaxy, obviously, and many, many other things, uh, which I don't see happening at all. Jake uh, Hall, which I don't think that's going to be the way to go either. And the one actually out of this mix that I really do like from Community, Joel McHale. Because, wow. And he would be kind of a fun, uh, you know, Hal Jordan. You know, that it's, could work. it's so funny because you said that. And, like, I didn't know where you were going to go with it. Because out of all the lists, that, all the names that you listed so far, I think Army Hammer would probably be the best fit. But when you said Joel, like, that's a name that would have never even come across my mind to play it. But the moment you said it, like, it clicked. That's, yeah. that, that's good Hal Jordan casting. Yeah, Joel McHale would be fantastic. Uh, the other one that is in this mix as well that is in a separate, separate story, because there is a other full story talking about um, Army Hammer, and it was just him kind of coming out there and saying, hey, uh, I heard this rumor too, uh, uh, but I haven't talked to anybody or haven't gotten any phone calls. So this could be just a short list of who they want in the mix as far as Warner Brothers is concerned. Doesn't mean they've reached out. Russell Crowe. The other name, yeah, uh, the other (laughs) name of this right off the bat. And also I think another potentially really good choice because he was fantastic in Westworld. James Marsden, uh, so previously Scott Summers from the X-Men films, uh, maybe coming over. So that's I, I another s- big name. I want to see some people we haven't seen play superheroes yet. Yeah, I, I want some new true. people in the mix. Like, I think Joel McHale would be good. Army Hammer's never done it other than the Lone Ranger. But, you know, Ryan's already played Green Lantern. I, I think he'd be good at it if it's done right. Um you know, I, I think a second chance at it would be good, but I don't want to take away from the potential of him playing Daredevil again. Um, um, Bradley Cooper. You mean De- you, Deadpool? Or Deadpool, you mean- yeah. Um, you know, Bradley Cooper, uh, I think, is too tied in with Marvel now with the Guardians movies and playing Rocket. I think, it, although it is only a voice casting, so it could potentially still work. Uh, Tom Cruise, let's just get that idea out of our head right now. Like, that's, yeah. that's no, that's not going to work. Hey, unless you're doing old old Hal Jordan, like the gray temples and all, man. But I, I don't know if I want to see a five foot one Hal Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's um, very true. I think out of all those names that you listed, man, Joel McHale sticks out. Yeah, it really just, does. Just like his forehead, you know. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell I, we're we're in the middle of rewatching all of Community right now, so uh, and it's the nonstop jokes about jo- the size of Joel McHale's forehead. This always cracked me up whenever they come up on screen, man. But yeah, I think he'd be he'd be a great choice. Absolutely great choice. Yeah. So that kind of wraps up all the movie talk. We'll head over to the TV side. Not a lot here to discuss. Um, I did post on the Facebook page today, really quickly, some shots of uh, the resurrected Jerome ahead of tonight's episode, which sounds like he is indeed in tonight's episode. And looking very uh, Grant Morrison Joker-like, showing a stitched-on face and all. So not quite sure what I think about that. Um yeah, so hey, it's a wait and see. Yep. So we're going to skip out of that. But if you're curious, as I did mention earlier, and uh, Ben was one of the first people I've seen to actually post this, which was the the return of Rick Costnett to The Flash. So I just wanted to mention that yet again. But let's get into the Flash Supergirl uh, musical. And as I mentioned before, we, they did say right off the bat, uh, 
we are going to see the musical start at the very tail end of Supergirl. And we do know that will happen on March 20th. And then on March 21st, the musical crossover will indeed be kicking off. Um, and it did say some of the people we will be seeing. Aside from Grant and Melissa, we know Jesse L. Martin, Victor Garber, Carlos Valdez, Jeremy Jordan, and John Barrowman will all be lending their voices to a song or two. Um, so I, I'm going to express my feelings about this um, in three words. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, hold on. Hold on. There is more to come. Okay. Okay. We do know uh, as well, uh, two other people will be in the episode, definitely will be Dave, uh, David Harewood and Chris Wood, but they will not be singing in either episode. Um, and we do know that the title of the Flash episode on March 21st is titled Duet. They have confirmed Music Meister is indeed the villain. And we have uh, now official casting as well. And that is Darren Chris, who is also a from Glee. Glee star. Yes. Will be joining. And they said, Andrew Kreisberg said, yes, I know that may not be who everybody wants, but we thought this was the perfect pick for the music meister, especially somebody that has been a Glee alum as well. And Darren's got an amazing voice and he's a huge talent. And it would be, a, it's going to be incredibly exciting to see that. Uh, and the mayhem does indeed take place on Central City on Earth One. So, um, I'm excited for this. Yeah, I really so, am because I'm a fan of like Doctor Horrible and of Buffy's. You know, once more with feeling, and I'm excited for this. Yeah. So Darren Chris is going to be our big bad. Um, we know it sounds like an episode and a quarter will be uh, how we're going to get this mix. Uh, but obviously seeing Jeremy Jordan, obviously that no, we know right off the bat, it's going to be, you know, Melissa and Jeremy, you know, so James and, uh, Kara coming over. So, uh, so this will be the first time we'll see anybody else from Earth 38 joining the fray. So kind of cool to see that we'll be seeing a little bit more crossover there. So I wouldn't be surprised if that rumbling about, uh, James Olsen coming over to, uh, Earth 1 earlier beforehand to give a little precedence. Uh, would make a little sense so uh but yeah so that gets there uh and we do know now too coming out of tv we're gonna look at two things very fast and um that is going to be the voice cast for teen titans the judas contract uh and this is just confirmation again that sean mayer uh is going to continue to play nightwing carrie walgreen will be playing starfire as well jake austin still coming back to play blue beetle Tiza uh, for, uh, Forminga was, was going to be coming back to play Raven. Uh, Brandon Suhu is still coming to play Beast Boy. And Stuart Allen is playing Damian Wayne yet again. So all these guys were re, uh, rejoining the mix. But we did get official casting on who is going to be playing Tara. Tara is going to be played by none other than Christina Ricci, which I think is a great choice to play uh, to play Tara. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. And Miguel Ferrer, who is going to be coming to play Slade Wilson, and uh, it's very sad to say, but just a couple days ago, uh, actually, Miguel Fair did just pass away. Yeah. So this is going to be his last thing that he's going to be doing on screen. Well, not on screen, but you'll be hearing his voice. Yeah. Um, so he uh, previously has done roles as far as uh, the original uh, RoboCop film, Iron Man 3, Rio 2, NCIS, Los Angeles, Crossing Jordan, and has previously played voices for Vandal Savage and Young Justice, Martian Manhunter, and Justice League, The New Frontier. 
And uh, he also played Weather Wizard in the very short-lived 1997 live-action Justice League of America. So when we get around to doing our next <laughs> our retro shows, yeah. we will have to suffer through the 97 live-action Justice League, which is incredibly painful. <laughs> um, yeah, not, not the best show ever. Uh, and um, the last news story of the week is we're going to dive into Injustice 2 really quickly because we did get a full-on story trailer, which looks phenomenal. We also got our uh, big bad named for this, and that is Brainiac. Um, but in addition to that, we do know there are three editions of the game, which will be coming out that is on May 16th for PS4 and Xbox One. I don't know if a PC version has been announced yet. But to give you a quick idea, the standard version of the game costing $59.99. Uh, obviously, it's just including the normal game. The deluxe edition, uh, priced at $79.99, will give you three downloadable fighters uh, as soon as they become available, an exclusive defender shader for uh, for use for in-gear customization, and one premiere skin. Uh, now, just to give you an idea, there are going to be three premiere skins out there in the mix, and as far as the DLC fighters, they have announced there will be nine of them. Um, so the Deluxe Edition is only giving you three in one of the Premier Skins. Now, the Ultimate Edition will give you, I think they said, three or four cus uh, exclusive shaders. Which, uh, because if you haven't seen yet, one of the new ideas of this game is you will have the ability to uh, kind of create your own custom battle armor for each of these characters. Kind of something new to add into the mix. Um, like I said, it gives you access to the nine DLC fighters. And the three Premier skins, and the Premier skins similar to what they did in Justice 1 Ultimate Edition. And the skins will be specifically for Supergirl, the Green Lantern, and the Flash. And then we did find out officially Supergirl, her alternate skin, will give her a new voice and will also now be Power Girl. Green Lantern, you'll start off with Hal Jordan. When you use this, you will be getting uh, uh, John Stewart, I believe is who they did say we're getting for the secondary Green Lantern. So just like in Justice 1. And then the Flash will give you access to a Reverse Flash skin, and with a new voice as well. So, kind of cool. We did also find out if you pre-order the game, you will also gain exclusive access, which I'm sure will means, means actually down the road you'll be able to buy this character, which is Darkseid. Uh, the story trailer also did show us quick glimpses of also other returning characters and uh, new characters we haven't seen mentioned before yet. So we did see that Robin is going to be in the mix, which Robin hasn't been in in the past. We did see Nightwing, but I think they said we will see Nightwing and Robin. Uh, and they also showed Bane, who was in the first game, but they also showed Poison Ivy, uh, or at least a quick shot of her arm with vines growing across it. So uh, the roster of this is looking better and better. Uh, and the fact that they're saying right off the bat, nine new characters uh, already that's bigger than uh, I think what the uh, Injustice 1 Ultimate Edition had an additional six, I believe. Um, but super excited for it. The game is looking fantastic. And uh, they have done a great job overhauling the facial look and designs of the characters. Uh, the female characters in Injustice 1 always looked a little rough. Uh, and even the original first trailer for it, uh, they were not looking quite so hot. Um, and uh, the new trailer, uh, things look like they have changed drastically. Even uh, IGN recently did a cover story on this, showing the massive change between the character design of uh, a lot of the faces, not just for the females, but the males as well. So, yeah, very much a lot to look forward to when the game hits on May 16th. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. And I guess the last thing you and me need to talk about is we had a little contest going, and while we didn't have a lot of people kicking out for it, we did have two people wanting to join the fray because i know it's not for everybody 
to jump in and be a third seat. But obviously, two people that we did see kick in were Jackson Howard and Chad Welsh, two of our most uh, normal commenters on the page. Uh, no shock on that one. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> uh, but I figured I'd really quickly read their both of their submissions for what they thought as far as uh, their theories. So Jackson's, we'll, we'll bring his up first, and he's going to say right off the bat, I'm just going to bring my previous theory back to the table, so spoilers follow, but I think the prophecy in The Flash refers to three members of the West family. I believe Wally will be the one to betray them, Iris will be the one to die, and the loss of both of his children will leave Joe into a fate worse than death. Part of me feels strongly that Wally is Savitar, a future version of Wally. Uh, I believe becoming so obsessed with being faster than Barry, it actually starts to consume him. As he falls deeper into that obsession, he learns slash remembers the myth of Savitar and thinking he is now a god. Uh, what better way than making him the god of speed and taking on that mantle? Barry has no choice but to throw him into the past and then, or, you know, past slash tie him to the box or tie him to the box and put him through the speed force, whatever makes him take that form he is now. Uh, so yeah, just a nice kind of idea there from uh, from Jackson there. I think it's actually a really good thought process. So, um, And as far as Shad, let's see here. And his current theory is that Savitar uh, is an alternate timeline Barry who traveled to the future a few, uh, a few times too many and either forgot who he was because of it or had his own killing joke style breakdown because of the things he has learned that he kills Iris, for example which would be true in this theory. Um, so I think me and Ben both agreed uh, because not only are both of these guys some of the best members of the community, um, and there are a lot of you guys. So we have been seeing a lot more people starting to like and comment on things and send us personal messages, which is always great to read. We love seeing that. But I think we have decided that we're going to have both Shad and Jackson on the show, not at the same time, to give them both a chance to shine. So we'll send out a message to both of you guys uh, probably in the next day or two, um, just individually. And we'll figure out based on whose schedule and what me and Ben's schedule will be like for this week. So we'll have one of you guys on with us this weekend, which I think me and Ben are talking about potentially recording Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern time. So if you're not in our time zone, sorry, guys, you're going to have to work with us. So... <laughs> That's how we do it. We've got busy lives, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and um, if not, we may be recording still on Sunday morning. And then the following one of you will be joining us either the week after or if not the week after that. But we'll make sure we'll get you guys in this season. So if this coming week doesn't work for you guys or the following, we'll find a way to make it work. Yeah, so, we'll, uh, we'll figure it out. We always do. So, yep, you guys will be uh, in the mix, so we're looking forward to having both of you guys on. So, uh, like I said, we thought it was the only thing that was right to do because we liked both of the theories so much, and it was kind of hard to choose. Yeah. So, um, so recommendations. Uh, ben, how about you? I need a, a chance to to take a breather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. you've been talking for a while, too. Um, my recommendation actually is something, again, I'm, it's, it's self-promotion. Uh, I finally finally got video of my flash panel with Rick Cosnett and Robbie Mel from uh, Heroes and Villains in Atlanta, as well as the John Barrowman panel. Uh, the only panel I did not get as of yet was the Stephen Amell panel. I'm still working on that one, but um, I'm going to try within the next day or two to get that flash panel online in YouTube um, so you can see that. Um but so my recommendation for you this week is if you haven't already seen the video of it, uh, which I don't know how you would have because I haven't posted it on the page yet, uh, 
to check out the video of both the arrow panel and the flash panel. I will be posting them to the Facebook page over the course of the next day or two. Uh, I know the arrow panel had audio only on, as one of the f- podcasts, and there was a dance-off with Willa Holland in which you couldn't see it. Now you'll have the chance to see it because I will post the video of it as well as the flash panel. And I'll probably have the Barrowman panel up there as well. So my recommendation is to check out the videos of my panels from Atlanta. Um, again, just some shameless self-promotion. <laughs> it's quite okay, and you can check them out over at facebook.com slash DC Primetime. Thank you. They'll be up very soon. Uh, and for me, I got to bring it up. It hasn't even come out yet, but I'm excited because um, I have finally caught up to uh, reading at least this crossover. I'm still way behind in Rebirth stuff. Um, but Justice League versus Suicide Squad number six, the finale of the big, uh, big first crossover of Rebirth, is indeed coming out this Wednesday. So pick it up, check it out, and uh, I'm really excited to to see it. And I will say this now, if you haven't seen the cover art for it yet, uh, it definitely spoils something kind of big right on the cover page, but I have a feeling that means they're not going to hold back and it's going to start in a big, bad way. So, um, But yeah, a character and a villain I didn't expect to see um, is the, uh, the one pulling the strings and kind of coming from places that you didn't see coming. So, huh. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say is, Huh. huh. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> That's a way um, But yeah. But I, 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 it's actually kind of a cool twist. Um, but yeah. So make sure you check that out when it comes out and hits newsstands this week. Pick it up on Comixology. Do what you will. And uh, if you haven't seen our news story about it earlier in the week, uh, DC Books are going to start ramping back up to the $3.99 price point. But you get cool shit from it. Uh, you get digital versions of the books, which Marvel was doing, which I thought was a great idea. And then they said, hey, you don't get the digital version of this book, but three random books. And I'm like, come on, guys. Is that really what Marvel started doing? They were doing it the right way and then started going about it in the wrong way. Well, I remember, yeah, I remember when they had the digital versions of that comic book, but I had no idea they switched to like three randoms. Yeah, it's, I think you get to choose, but it's from an old backlog. That's Um, stupid. Yeah, kind of silly, but I think part of this is to appease comic shops. I know none of them are very happy that uh, either of these companies are taking this initiative with um, giving less of a reason to come to the comic book stores. Where, hey, now you have this back issue, because, well, they make a lot of money on that stuff. So, well, not a lot, but when a lot of people come in and drop a couple hundred dollars on back issues, kind of helps them out a little bit. So, I do understand it, but you know what, hey... If you're somebody that likes having two versions of things and one that you can take with you without having to take a long box every time you go on vacation, this is a great way to do it where you're still supporting DC and uh, you're still being able to have one to bag and board and one to take with you on the go. And then, so. and you know what? When I was buying, when I was still buying Marvel comics, that's exactly how I took it. Like I bagged and boarded my comic after I got the digital copy so that this way nothing happened to the comic. The comic stayed in pristine condition and I had a version to read and I had a version I could take it with me to work. I could keep it on my phone. So I liked the digital copy. The the fact that they changed it to back issues is stupid. Yeah. But you know what? Hey, I believe firmly in what Grant Morrison said on Fat Man and Batman way back in the day, which was comic books are not meant to be bagged and boarded. They are meant to be read. So however you do it, pick it up, read it. You don't have to keep it in a long box forever. Pass it on to somebody else. Let the hobby continue. All right. So, make me sound like an asshole. <laughs> it's okay. I did the same thing. <laughs> when they were like, hey, oh, my God, there's 12 variant covers and all of them are foils. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is when comics started 
hitting that bubble. And then they realized nothing was selling because they kept trying to make special editions of everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but it's okay because books are still a lot of fun to read. And comics have been great recently, man. And DC has been still crushing it with Rebirth. Everything I've been catching back up on has been really exceptional. There hasn't really been too many stinkers in the bunch. And it's fine because not every book is written for just you. So the fact that there's so much that I'm enjoying means that they're doing a damn good job. So kudos to DC. Um, but yeah, so that absolutely does it for us. So I'm just going to give my plug, let you do yours, and then we're going to get out of here. Uh, so, uh, for me, you can always check out Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods. A uh, new episode will be recorded next week on Monday night. Um, so we'll, that'll be our January episode for the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods, which is the monthly geek culture podcast coming to you from the Next Level Radio Network. Um, not quite sure exactly everything we're going to be talking about, but I guarantee... We will be talking about Star Wars and the Nintendo Switch. So uh, <laughs> we have a lot to say on Nintendo Switch. A lot. And there's a lot of conflicting thought processes and ideas. So that could get ugly really fast. <laughs> um, but uh, obviously we'll be talking about The Last Jedi, which I'm super pumped to discuss. Such a great title. And that red font, man. I There's so many people already picking that apart, and I'm one of them. So be ready. I'm looking um, forward because yeah. this will be the first one I've been on in like, three months three three months yeah so i'm happy to have you on you get to play cartoon 20 questions yay i can't wait which turned out great last month and that's that that's definitely i think how shows are going to end for the the near future but uh but i'll also say uh also check out george shaw george shaw music.com uh we thank him each and every week for uh all of his great tunes that you get to hear on the show and um in case uh because i didn't want to forget it but special shout out to our friend tony kim uh, and his shop, Heroes Within, because they are nail on thinkgeek.com. You can buy his stuff there, not just directly from Heroes Within. Not the full line, mind you, but we're super pumped to see Tony is already breaking into uh, Think Geek as well. Anything to see that line succeed. I know, Ben, you have uh, the Flash uh, tech hoodie. Love it. And uh, I, I, I still need to order my uh, my Batman pea coat because that thing is so fucking slick. I love it. Yeah. But yeah. I had to make sure we brought that up because uh, Tony, uh, obviously a friend of both of ours, and uh, is gracious enough to have us do um, uh, Wizard World Philly. So absolutely, uh, and of course, I can be found also doing the Showcast Spotlight on the Next Level Podcast Network. Uh, that podcast, as well as all other podcasts, including Caffeine Crew, as Robin mentioned, all Next Level Radio Online dot com. Um, yeah, and then of course the Facebook page for this DC Prime Facebook.com slash DC Primetime. So uh, we're starting a little slow on the showcast. We haven't had any interviews booked yet for 2017. Um, but um, actually, we have, and the, the guy we've been talking to or was supposed to talk to has rescheduled on us like three times. We were actually supposed to talk to him again this week, and he's the he's actually we're look we were looking forward to this one because he's a dance coordinator for the Oscar nominated film La La Land, which we you know. We're going to talk to somebody who's working on an Oscar-nominated film. This is going to be awesome. Uh, and he already postponed on us. We were supposed to talk to him on Thursday, and he's already postponed on us again. So the movie will be out on Blu-ray by the time we finally get to talk to this guy. <laughs> it's okay. It, you guys have gotten a lot of big names in the last year, so yeah. I'm sure that will continue into 2017. I'm sure, too. And we, we just got to start reaching back out again. It's just been a busy January for everybody, so... Uh, but yeah, we'll get there and, you know, con season is approaching as well. We've got great Philadelphia comic con coming up in April heroes and villains, Chicago in March. And, 
oh god wizard world coming up in june as well as other heroes and villains and other wizard worlds and so uh, harrisburg comic-con coming up in which um i forget who the the person they announced um it's somebody from one of the dc shows and i can't remember who it is it's gonna it's okay it's gonna (laughs) piss me off (laughs) and i think you and me might be doing one more podcast too potentially the the next level podcast the one that's the the whole whole shebang sometime soon well yeah but and i think that's just that's gonna be a one-time oh yeah it's a special but you may hear us in one other place aside from this show and (laughs) uh caffeine crew and then maybe one other spot. So if you're not already on the rest of the net level, next level stuff, there's dude tons of good podcasts over there. Oh, um, Matt uh, Matt Letcher, e- oh cool, Earbarthon and Michelle Harrison, who also plays uh, Barry's mom, nice. are both going to be out at Harrisburg Comic Con. So Harrisburg Comic Con last year is actually where we met and interviewed Katrina Law for the first time. So uh, another small con, but we try and make them out to as to as many of them as we can. Uh, but I think that's going to wrap it up for this yeah. issue of DC Primetime. A little bit longer, but, you know, we got a lot into it. Helping us get back into things, which is, which is good. But enjoy the shows this week. We'll be back with you guys next weekend to talk to you about them and review them. Uh, until that time, thank you for listening, and we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. The Last Jedi. Woo! <laughs> Peace. Peace.